0: Hey folks, it's Adam Summer. This week on the Heartland Pod, I've got a very brief opening statement, and then we're going to get into talking politics with Rachel Parker and Sean Diller. And a special guest, Peter Meredith, is going to join us to talk about the special session going on in the Missouri Legislature right now. Lots to talk about, so let's go. Welcome back to the Heartland Pod. My name is Adam Summer. I am your host. Thank you for joining us. We're glad to have you with us. Find us on all the social medias with the Heartland Pod. And yes, we are still on Twitter at the Heartland Pod. Email us anytime with heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com. Or you can just go to our website, website, excuse me, heartlandpod.com. And you can click the button there to get in touch with us. Uh, Whether it's you have something you want to tell us or a question or if you want to suggest somebody that we should talk to you on the show, we'd love to hear from you, and we really appreciate the folks who reach out. We, we've we had some messages recently, and we appreciate everybody for doing that as well. Uh, you can also find a link to our Patreon over at heartlandpod.com, so if you like what we're doing here uh, if you want to help us change the conversation here in the heartland, here in Missouri, and all around, lift up voices that you might not otherwise get to hear from while bringing a political perspective that you're just not going to find on cable news, that's what we're here to do, is to give that to you. Uh, we're doing it five days a week. We've got interview shows. We've got a rotating group of shows on Wednesdays to bring you different perspectives. We've got one from a couple right here in the heartland with Nicholas and Christina called The Delta, and one from Sean Diller himself coming out of Colorado called The uh, the high country where he takes a look at things from the Mountain West. And then every single Friday you can cap off your week with Kevin Smith as he brings you the flyover view, which is a recap of stories from the week uh, from Missouri, Kansas, where, wherever in the heartland. It doesn't have to be just from, from the states very close to us, uh, all over the place, and, and, and some of them national stories as well, but stuff that impacts us here in the heartland and brings his spin to it as well. So you can find all of those shows at heartlandpod.com. And we are on every single provider for podcasts. Uh, all of them. You you pick one. We're on it. We're on Audible. We're on your Alexa. You can do it. You can just say, Alexa, play the Heartland Pod. And if as long as you say it slowly and like a robot, she'll do it. That's been my experience, at least with our Alexa. Maybe you have a smarter Alexa. Uh, but ours, you have to very much talk like, you know, Alexa, play the Heartland Pod, and then she'll play it. It seems to work very well. And it's a great enunciation exercise, which is, you know, it's good for everybody. All right, well, let's get to the opening statement, and then we'll get to the talk in politics. This opening statement's really simple, which is that right now is a very easy time for folks to start to look at really tiny differences in policy or people and want something very particular out of candidates. I've had an ongoing conversation with somebody via email, and he and I are are disagreeing about kind of a core way to deal with something. We overall, I think, have pretty large agreement on the issue itself, which is where we're getting bogged down, right? We're really kind of going back and forth with more of a semantics issue than a true policy issue, at least I think so. But there comes a time where the semantics matter not because of a political need for the semantics to matter but because we're talking about issues involving human rights and healthcare care needs. And there has to be a bright line difference between those things and, say, tax policy, right? How much money should go into the roads. Even education, even though education is – of dire importance and one of my core personal issues, the difference between arguments about education funding and arguments about healthcare access to me are different things. One of them is a core fundamental issue to every single person at all times. The other one, education, it's a fundamental issue in a, in a in a societal way but not the way that healthcare is fundamental to doesn't matter where you're at in society, right? Healthcare is part of your life, period. And so when we're talking about those types of issues, when we're talking about human rights issues, I do think it's fair to say that there has to be a bright line. I think it's okay, I think it's acceptable. I call myself a pragmatist. That's a label that I have self-applied, although I think it's a fair label. And the point of pragmatism is to find consensus to move the ball forward so that we can get where we need to go eventually. But even in pragmatism, you have to be able to acknowledge the difference between things where compromise accomplishes a goal and compromise gives up on human rights. The three-fifths compromise, the original compromise of the United States, that was pragmatism right? That was a pragmatist outcome. There was a disagreement and they found a middle ground that was satisfactory enough to both sides to move forward. Whether or not either side wanted it or liked it, they were willing to accept it to move forward. And that's pragmatism's goal is to move forward. But is there any question that the three-fifths compromise was a massive mistake That sometimes compromise, when we're talking about human rights, isn't as smart as it seems. Sometimes the difference between moving the ball forward a couple of inches isn't worth the compromise. And that's okay. It's okay. And it's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay to acknowledge that sometimes there's a fight that's worth fighting. Sometimes there's a fight where the compromise just doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to always make sense. You don't have to always compromise. And sometimes that's necessary to get where we need to go. Now here's Talking Politics. Talking Politics. All right, we're here for Talking Politics. We're back for another week. We've got Sean Diller back, and we have the return, the triumphant return of Rachel Parker Uh, At least, kind of, because she's still out there doing much cooler stuff than we are. So
1: I know, like the shoes on the other foot. How does it feel? (laughs) I do go places sometimes. Friends,
0: (laughs) welcome back.
1: Um, uh, Thanks, it's good to be here. I missed you guys. I was so concerned about um, making these week. So my husband and I, Ellie and I, went to. um, We took a little weekend getaway together. And so I'm in a cabin overlooking uh, the Gascon River and or Gasconade River, excuse me. And um, I like I was so intent on getting these trips planned and just getting all the work done. Because when you freelance, what your whole life's about you're like, how am I going to get as much done as I can before I leave? So I'm not working while I'm out of town. But I looked and I was like, how did I plan on being gone two Sundays in a row without compensating that for that? So um I want to thank the fans because I'm recording on a, on a on a web on a on a web mic, which I normally don't do. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah. I'm excited to be here, and it's really beautiful. And the view I have, I'm going to see the most insane sunset. So if I suddenly go quiet, uh, it's 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 not because of anything drug or alcohol related. It's just nature. I'm just going to be awestruck by nature.
0: Yeah, I mean, Gasconade. That's it's it's a beautiful area uh, in that Gasconade Valley. So awesome, it's really cool. awesome spot. Sean Diller how about you man how you're not on uh, any well you always have a good view because you're in Denver so I guess that's True. not really fair unless yeah. there's a fire like unless there's an environmental disaster
2: right when it gets super orange and scary <laughs> uh <laughs> um, you can see the ashes floating in the sky yeah um yeah <laughs> no but it hasn't been like that it's been great my butterfly bush is doing fantastic don't even get me started on the Rose of Sharon. They're just crushing out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's beautiful. No, I can't think of anything that's happening. We went to a concert. We like our, our four-year-old is up with the in-laws. And so on Friday night, we had the four-year-old and the eight month old up at the in-laws. Went and saw Keith Urban at Ooh. the ball arena, formerly the Pepsi center. And uh, that was fantastic. No, we've just Very been nice. having a quiet time since
0: then. Very nice. Quiet time is good. Nothing wrong yeah. with quiet time. Uh anybody in anything interesting uh, Rachel you you said more beer anything what you're sipping on that's 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 good
1: Sorry about that I <laughs> um I'm on my iPad and my trackpad froze while I was trying to unmute myself Uh listen this is what it's like this is the dedication of mobile recording when you're it out is, uh, in the wilderness Um I I finished a Guinness about 5 minutes before we started recording Okay So I switched to water Fair. Um so that's what I'm doing. Uh, and, you know, I feel like right now nature is going to be my drug. Like I said, I'm, I've got this ridiculous panoramic view.
0: I'm drinking River. in the view.
1: literal I'm literally You're drinking the view. That's what I'm sipping the view. Yeah. Gorgeous aquamarine water and these like phenomenal oak trees. And it's pretty crazy.
0: Sean, how about you? Is it another another night of cold coffee?
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I made this several hours ago. I told you guys, I, I got in a quick little cat nap before we recorded. Yeah. So, um, this was definitely already sitting there when I woke up from my cat nap. I don't Perfect. really know when, when I would have made this, uh,
0: <laughs> but, uh, you were, you I were helping into... out future you.
2: There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always nice. Um, Rachel mentioned a drug though, like nature and a drug. And that reminded me that, um, there was something interesting that happened. So we got our sample ballots here in the state of Colorado, because in just a couple of weeks, we're going to all get our ballots in the mail. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you live in a state that has something like 70% voter turnout, it doesn't happen on accident. Um, And uh, universal mail-in balloting. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) We all get a ballot. And then, you know, it's only the first half of September and we all got our, our sample ballots in the mail and, there's going to be a statewide ballot initiative to decriminalize. They call it uh, natural medicine, which is currently to include psilocybin. Oh, wow. uh, psilocin, maybe the other kind of version. Um, But yeah, and it's really cool in the, in the findings and the legislative kind of, you know, reasoning for why, why this is being put out there together. Like it's just um, really strong language. Like mental health is in crisis. We've seen, these natural medicines help people with depression, end of life crises, addiction, um, suicidality, all these kind of things and um, so we will uh, we'll see what happens and they're gonna basically if it passes there will be an established natural medicine commission that'll start to kind of really look into this stuff.
0: Wow. Um, and that's, that's yeah, for folks cool. who don't speak uh, pharmaceutical drug language. The psilocybin is, of course, magic mushrooms. Yeah, right. That uh, yeah. would be the, the way to you know that. Well, that's, wow, that's, that's pretty crazy. We um, uh, pretty normal week over here, uh, all things considered. Uh, had did get to go to the Chiefs game on Thursday night, so I just got my voice back. I usually have uh, I, I, – this will sound maybe uh, silly, but I pride myself on vocal control. And Thursday night, I will tell you what, I lost control of my vocal. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> I was just very hyped up. I was very happy to be there. Uh, I took a, a pull off of a bottle of Jack Daniels from some fine fellows in the parking lot. Uh, although they complained that I didn't drink enough of it, which I thought was interesting.
2: Jack out of the bottle is not easy.
0: No, it's not good. That's yeah. exactly that. It's not. It's not. It's exactly what I remembered it being. Which and, is it not good. and it comes back. And
1: Jack comes back real yeah. quick too. <laughs> well, here smoother pulls. It's like it was Ohio. also
0: their fault. Like because I poured it, I was polite. Like I didn't put my mouth on the bottle, right? COVID, and oh, okay, so right. like I poured it from a from a from up top and like waterfalled it. Um, but they had the thing on. They had the You know, the bartender pour oh, stopper thingy weird. on. It. So yeah. it poured really slow, so I took whatever I took, and then they were giving me shit about it, and I was just like, "I'm sorry, I thought this was America. Like I thought I got to choose how much I drink." But <laughs> anyway, it was a good, it was a good time. Chiefs won, lost my voice, uh, very good, and I am sipping on. A thank you to neighbor Derek, who uh, I was ho- we were hoping to get to drink these together this weekend, but uh, kids and fevers and things get in the way. Uh, he he brought me some beer from Saint. Or I'm sorry, not Saint from Charles City, uh, Iowa, Tellurian or Tellurian, he can correct me later, uh, beer. This is a Tellurian IPA, the day drink session IPA. And it's got a crazy zebra striped colored eighties yeah. like watch thing going on. Very pretty. On. It's cool. Yeah, very pretty can and it's kinda delicious. That might so.
1: actually that might actually get me interested in uh drinking more IPAs. It's a lot of beer for me at this time of my life. That's a lot of, it's a lot of flavor. It it's is a lot, a lot of, of flavor.
0: These, these are pretty good. These are pretty polite. Uh, I like a more polite IPA, but anyway, let's get into uh, the stories here. We're going to kind of take things a little bit out of order because we're going to have uh, Peter Meredith on special, in a- guest. special guest, Peter Meredith. And we're actually oh. going to, I'm going to plug him in here at the beginning. So we're going to kind of time travel uh, when that happens. So you can imagine Right here, you're going to hear a jump, and it's going to go into us talking with Peter Meredith about the special session in Missouri, and then we'll get into the rest of it that's going to happen here and in I, just a second. I, mean,
1: I, I want to say something that I should have said earlier. Yeah. Um, I want to dedicate this podcast to Mark Kostolsky. Yeah. Um, For folks that don't, that didn't know Mark, um, he passed away when I was in Indiana last week. And uh, he was, uh, I considered him, we weren't super close, but he's I certainly would have named him as a friend. I've talked about him um before to you guys not on the podcast but just to someone I knew and respected he was a very prolific uh, campaign manager he helped uh, elect Bruce Franks to the state legislature in 2016 um he worked on Corey Bush's uh 2020 campaign uh d- before both before and during COVID um he helped uh he managed Wesley Bell's campaign and so he helped Wesley defeat uh, then-County uh, Mc- County Prosecutor McCulloch uh, during that primary. Yeah. And I, I don't know that I know anybody who worked as hard as Mark did for um, marginalized people in the St. Louis community. Um, his death was unexpected. It was very sudden. He was about my age. It's absolutely tragic. Yeah, I'm still, myself, I'm, I'm holding it together right now. Um, I, I just want to say to the people that knew Mark and loved Mark, um, and and uh, are 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 missing him and mourning him. That um, uh, I re- I, I, it's a, I it's just a huge. It's a, what do you, what else can you say about something that is a, a seismic loss to a community like that? Yeah. I don't know anyone who uh, I, I'll just miss his physicality. He's one of these people that if you ever come up with, with an idea that he agreed with, um, he's a pretty large man. You know, it's very had a huge physical presence in the room too. And if if you if you said something he agreed with, he would just pop up wherever he was, no matter where he was. He would just pop up and start pacing, because he was so physically excited by what you were saying. And I will um, <laughs> I will miss him very much. And I I I am I am here doing the work that I'm doing here in no small part because of the many 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 conversations that I had with him about how I could be effective um, as a stakeholder in Missouri politics. So again, I just want to dedicate this podcast tonight to him and to his memory and to uh to say to folks that were at his memorial yesterday i wish i could be there i had this trip planned um so it wasn't something i could do um but uh i love you all very much and i i just you know to all the people that have been saying the things about him they've been saying thank you so much and um let's just uh carry on in his honor and do the work that we know that he would want us to do
0: yeah here's here's to mark and i guess uh that will will segue nicely into the special session. Uh, I'm sure he would would love to uh, hear what Peter Meredith has to say about what's Absolutely, going on there. Absolutely, for sure. And so that's where we'll go first. True or false? All right. This is our true-false. And true-false, the question is, is the Missouri special legislative session uh, worthwhile? And to help us answer <laughs> that true-false question... Uh, we have none other than uh, Representative Peter Meredith, uh, who has been on the show before, and we're happy to have him back. Thank you for joining us, Representative Meredith. Thanks, Thanks for, for taking the time, me. man.
3: Oh, it's nice to be on.
0: Yeah, so it's funny because you and Rachel are, Rachel's in your, Rachel, aren't you in his district?
1: I am. I am his and, constituent. And, and, yet, and yet um, I'd tonight. like to thank, I'd like to thank also his <laughs> friend. I'd like to thank him as his constituent and very, constituent close, neighbor. And very <laughs> close neighbor, that's correct, oh, even though. Nice we haven't really been able to take advantage of that in quite some time because of all no, the no it's been
3: it's been a while since we last had coffee it we, has, should, yeah. we should fix that
1: totally absolutely for sure after maybe we can do something after you can deal with this not nice. uh, so special, special session.
3: session extraordinary it's actually technically called an extraordinary session because oh. it's called by the governor but we we Which all I think, you explained explain to me the, the last
0: time you were on the show i think you explained yeah. that to me
3: <laughs> that wouldn't surprise <laughs> me it does not matter we call them all special sessions because it's <sighs> sort of like special. the broader category but technically in missouri at least A special session is when the legislature calls it, which is super rare. And it's an extraordinary session when the governor calls it, which you Uh, would think means there is an extraordinary emergency because it is supposed to be an emergency. Extraordinary.
0: And yeah, yeah, that's right. It sounds rather ordinary. So what's really going on?
3: So look, I I will say, uh, as far as the Republicans are concerned, or at least the folks calling this thing, uh, there is an emergency. And that emergency is there's an election around the corner. <laughs> and uh, look, I, I, I mean, seriously, though, uh, th- we're talking about a permanent tax cut, a permanent right. income tax cut, something something they've been pushing for for years. In fact, the, the governor's proposal, it's, it's already in law. It just uh, is set to take longer to take effect. Um, and so to call it an emergency by any stretch of the imagination is ridiculous. But what is happening is there's an election. Right around the corner, and right now, Missourians and people in general are mad at Republicans. Um, and you know, I, we don't know what that means for us in election yet. But what we know is, when we're knocking doors, we're hearing people upset about reproductive rights under attack. Uh, they're upset about schools being sued and under attack and defunded. They're upset about our teachers. Uh, sorry about the siren in the background. I'm outside of my bedroom, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but it's fitting, right? Uh, A lot of people feel like Missouri is in a a state of emergency right now. Um, Our democracy is in a state of emergency right now on a national level, but also here in Missouri where they're passing laws that very blatantly just make it harder for people to participate in democracy. So people are looking at all this and I could go on and on. Like I said, lowest paid teachers in the country, lowest paid state workers in the country. That means we've got vacancies all over the place. Everyone dealing with state government is having a nightmare of a time. And, Republicans are going well. How do we get people back to what we think is our popular go-to issue? Ah, tax cuts—the thing that that they have spent fifty years brainwashing everyone to believe that all tax cuts are good, all taxes are bad, all government spending is bad. That—that's what this is about. It's a—it's about the election coming up.
0: So you, you are part of the budget process, right? You—you you are on that yeah. group.
3: Yeah, I'm the ranking Democrat on the budget. Committee, So I've spent a lot of time over there.
0: So as the ranking Democrat on the budget committee with your, with your finger in that pie, so to speak, yeah. um, why I know that it is stupid. Why <laughs> is a permanent tax cut with a temporary surplus such a remarkably yeah. stupid thing?
3: Well, I mean the way you said it I think makes it obvious. We have a one time surplus. I should hope right so, that, but you know. <laughs> but, but look, this is a surplus that is unprecedented. Look, we're all we all agree we've got we've got more of a surplus than this state has ever seen, but we also have really unique circumstances right now in in this country and in this state. We have a ton of federal spending and Republicans are happy to point to that when they they talk about inflation or other things happening. They talk about the federal spending, but what they won't acknowledge then is that's one of the main reasons we have so much money in revenue right now. And that's not just like the one-time dollars that the feds are giving us to spend on infrastructure, things like that. It's also um, all of the spending that went just into the hands of people. So people were spending more. People um, were earning more. Wages have gone up a lot in the last year. So obviously, income taxes are coming in higher and sales taxes are coming in higher. But what, we don't, what we're not taking into account here is, A, we don't know if that's going to last if uh, federal dollars slow down, federal spending slows down. But B, we aren't really factoring in how much we have to do to keep up with those same things, those costs going up in our society. You know, if we've had 8.5% inflation in the last year, then one would believe reasonably that we have to do at least 8% growth in our budget just to keep up with the cost of things. And so last year, you know, we, we managed to get a raise for state workers. They're the lowest paid in the country, as I mentioned. But that raise was still less than the cost of inflation, which means in a way we gave them a pay cut. And so if we want to actually address having the lowest funded K-12 in the country, the, the worst cuts to higher education in the country and rising tuition, you know, if we want to address any of these things, we have to increase spending, not just to keep up with inflation, but more than that. And if we give away a billion dollars a year in taxes permanently that we can't easily just take back. How are we supposed to keep up with inflation, let alone invest in the things that need investment in our state? Um, You remember Brownback, Kansas? Right. I mean, that's what we keep pointing to. wasn't that long ago that in Kansas, Governor Brownback did some massive tax cuts with uh, huge Republican support in a time when they had some some good revenue coming. Well, a few years later, they were in a budget crisis, a budget hole, having to cut spending everywhere to the point that even Republicans, Republicans went, Oh, crap, we need to undo that. And, and they actually did. Now, in Missouri, we can't just as a legislature realize we screwed up and undo it because in our constitution, any tax increase has to go to a vote of people. So we would have a much harder time undoing this mistake if we go forward with it.
1: So one of my, thanks again for that um, because sure. it is sometimes really difficult to keep track of, um, just the sheer level of bullshit that's coming out of the governor's <laughs> office of Missouri. And that tiny know.
0: little processing yeah. is important too. That, like, we can cut it, but we can't raise it thing. Yeah.
1: That's a yeah. really important yeah. distinction. Yeah. And, yeah uh, and they're already, and this, is, this would be the, like, Missouri already enshrined a pretty massive tax cut. That's right. Like 10 years ago it was before it was before my time, but it was a pretty massive one around that Brownback time, right?
3: Uh, yeah. Although we've also got these these tax cuts that are already in place that, that um, these that the governor's proposal actually reflects, but they're set to be triggered. So each one tenth of a percent cut isn't supposed to happen until there is a new um, indication of continued growth. So I mean, they made it so there would have to essentially be five periods of sustained growth in order for this to happen. And honestly, I talked to the governor about that. He was there when they passed those, those tax cuts with those triggers. And he said, yeah, he thought those triggers made a lot of sense because they would make sure we didn't do exactly what he's saying we should now do. Exactly what he's saying we should now do, which is uh, get rid of the triggers. We've got a great year right now. Let's go ahead and uh, just, just go all the way. Now, I will say, I, I think that some of the more moderate Republicans, perhaps the governor even, they know that the Republican crazies. Are salivating for a tax cut. And these are, when I say crazies, I mean, there is a large group of them that would just get rid of income tax entirely. They would get rid of other tax revenue. And they don't really care if it means we defund public education or if we defund healthcare. They'd rather we just took those out of government's hands. Right, they're not interested in the government fund. Right, right, right. Well, those guys, if they get their way, they're going to have a much bigger tax cut, a much more problematic tax cut than this. And it might well be that the governor's looking at this going, how can I mitigate the damage? Um, i so I hate to give him too much credit, but uh I think there is something to be said for at least what he's proposing isn't the most extreme of options that is being presented
1: but, but that's like i'm just gonna I'm not arguing with you or and i'm I'm, I'm not imputing it for this for what it. you just, what you just said was the governor is trying to avoid complete anarchy <laughs> right like we yeah, we're in yeah. a situation where there uh-huh. are these bozos. Uh-huh. um who think that the way to sort of govern is to is to gain the most attention by wearing fucking overalls or whatever nonsense they're doing that particular day and yeah. uh not really sort of paying attention to what voters actually want which is just what voters want is usually pretty simple they want decent roads mm-hmm. pretty good schools yeah they want things to even if they scream about government incompetence and bureaucracy and what they want things around them to function they want to be able to go to a library they want to be able to go get like you know they want their kids to be able to go to like a a decent school and graduate and
3: go they They want want affordable functioning hospitals
1: yeah so you know they've already cut so much money to secondary education in missouri mizzou has seen like huge budget cuts over the last 20 years um so i mean i know what their objective is because we talk about all the time on the podcast their objective is to get rid of institutions, right? They want to completely defund institutions. So like, how close are they to that goal right now? I mean, like, does Mark (sighs) Carson have the courage to veto something that the more extreme factions of the Missouri Republican Party would want to bandy his way that would basically defund all these public institutions that just make society work?
3: Yeah, it's a good question and I sure as hell hope so. Um I will say in the last two years, um, really last two sessions, I've started to believe that there are there is enough of 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 more reasonable folks within the legislature that are that still call themselves Republicans, usually because they're afraid to uh, um, to buck their party, um they're afraid to buck too hard against the crazy far right, that they will ultimately stand against. the, the, the true defunding of institutions. I mean, there are a lot of them that still, especially with public ed, they come from public ed backgrounds and they do value that. Um, now they're having a hard time surviving in their party because the party continues to hammer in messaging that is tearing down every institution, especially schools right now. I mean, just attacking schools, attacking democracy. Um, now most of these guys, I'll say they're going along with it on democracy. They're going along with it hard, but I'm seeing more caution on schools. I'm seeing more caution on the budget, like trying to have state workers that are paid enough to do the job and be able to hire. And I do think that there seems to be a bipartisan governing majority still that is willing to hold some of those institutions together. Again, my biggest concern is that they're still undermining democracy every chance they get. And the more they do that, there aren't gonna be moderates left in the Republican party. Um, it's hard to even see them now because they're afraid to even make any noise. And pretty soon they're going to, they're going to find that they've killed the democracy that keeps them there. And uh, then, then that anarchy will thrive and we will be in that libertarian utopia um, where uh, it's more like survival of the fittest. And we've got uh, a a wealth disparity that, that even our current egregious wealth gaps would pale in comparison to. Um, and, And, Lack of labor rights, all the things uh, yeah. that, that that they hate government for.
0: It's very much the the scene that gets painted by uh, David Pepper. He was on recently to talk out of Ohio to talk about laboratories of autocracy, his book, mm. and and uh, what's going on in Ohio and what's going on in Missouri right now. And uh, that episode's on the on the feed. Sean out in Colorado is this registering like? And and do you have questions uh, for Peter Sever from that?
2: You know. Um... I mean, it's definitely not, I think, you know, if it passes, then I bet it'll become national news. Um, But here, you know, we've got Democrats controlling the governor's office, the House and the Senate and most of the, all of the statewide positions, except for a University of Colorado Board of Regents slot. Oh
3: my God. It's Republican. (laughs) It's hard hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine here in Missouri.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's wild. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, you know, when you're in, when you're in Colorado, in the city, it feels like you're in a city in Missouri, kind of, you know, everything's a lot newer um, than in St. Louis, for sure. Um, But when you're out in the country, you know, there's a fierce independent streak. Um, Mm. You know, people don't want to pay taxes, they don't want a penny going to schools, if there's going to be 3 year olds learning about how to be gay um right. they're very worried about that um, and so they're learning what
3: racism is
2: right <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um but yeah like a 700 million dollar cost i think is what's been associated with this tax mm. cut in missouri yeah well and that, that's cut. like
3: that's the governor's estimate which i think is low um missouri budget wow. project puts it more like a billion oh my gosh uh, yeah and it's like
2: I- when you start or go ahead
3: no, no. I don't know. I was just going to say, the, the other piece of this is just who would benefit uh, I mean, right. this is one of the more regressive versions of a tax cut that they could do. We could be talking about, you know, a sales tax holiday or even a sales tax cut where you're actually helping people with the costs of all the goods that are that are going up. You know, if things are going up by 8.5% like we talked about earlier, put a holiday like on the, the sales tax, tax, you cut it in half. But like this is, nobody, nobody's going to be helped through. by this. Yeah. yeah well, sales sales we've been pushing to get through, rid yeah. of that entirely. Um, I know, that's,
1: that's what kills me is that the Democrats, with last session, you guys were like, "Okay, let's yeah. get rid of sales tax on groceries," and the Republicans right. were like, "Well, hold, hold on a second, we
0: <laughs> don't want <laughs> to buy. all the taxes. There's some like, good yeah, taxes out there. That won't, the way. Way. That that won't help like, wealthy donors."
1: Yeah, I don't even know what that was. That was like, "What kind of fuck you move is that? Like, who are you? Who are yeah. you? Do- like, what kind of performative nonsense is that?" Even uh, sorry, yeah. go ahead. I apologize. Just
3: so no, ridiculous. you're totally right. Um, but but this one, you know, you're talking a, the top 1% of earners, like millionaires in our state, will be getting on average $6,000 $6, yeah. a year. Yeah. Now, they're not going to notice that. That's like no. a rounding error at the end of the year for them. Um, but that's going to cost our state a lot of money. Meanwhile, regular working families, we're talking like a couple bucks a week, maybe. Right. And the bottom third of earners will literally get nothing. I mean... They're, they're people that don't earn enough money or people on fixed incomes, things like seniors that, uh, that that don't pay income taxes and they won't get any benefit at all. Whereas they're still paying sales tax every day. They're still paying property yeah. tax. And, and honestly, they pay more, a higher percent of the money they have in taxes every year than the wealthy do. And so it's just a backwards tax that does nothing to help anybody that needs the help right now. Um, also, they can give some wealthy donors that that what? uh tax cut that they've been begging for for years right why
0: it it looks like you know (laughs) looking at all the different groupings of here's what you'll get depending on your income like if you're in the middle class it's like a dollar a day basically not even a dollar a day oh no that
3: that would be high yeah
0: yeah and it it reminds me of uh i think it was like if you're like seventy five thousand dollars for like a family for a single mother family of like three You'd get like a dollar a day, basically.
3: I don't even think they'd get that much. I don't think they owe three hundred dollars in taxes. Yeah, a it year. was
0: less than a dollar a day, but it was like, you know, yeah, somewhere in yeah. that neighborhood. And it's I just think there's only a dollar a week. Yeah. There's an old Louis C.K. joke about that, where it's just like you'd be better off if your member of Congress or if your representative just came to your right. house and just pissed on your foot. Like, right. what's the what's the point? Like, at least then I'd see my representative, right? And where I'm at, <laughs> uh, it's a little bit different than where Rachel is, where her representative has coffee with her. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) but like, what's the point? Like, honestly, just to say done. The the point is,
3: the point is that to be open right now at all, they have said for decades to all of their constituents, their Republican base, we're going to cut your taxes. We're going to lower taxes and lower government spending. And they just desperately want to be able to go back and say, see, we had a surplus and we didn't just spend it all. We cut your taxes like we promised. Now, they're hoping that most of the people they say that to don't go look at who it benefited or what it costs them in schools suffering or teachers being underpaid. I think what's happening right now, though, is I think a lot of Missourians are actually hearing us say, wait a minute. Our teachers are the lowest paid in the country, and you're giving a tax cut to wealthy people that I'm not even right. going to see a benefit from. And um, my hope is that that people see through this, um, or that it falls apart entirely because Republicans can't get along with each other enough to to pass even a tax cut. You would think Republicans, if there's one thing they can come together on, it's a tax cut. My hope is maybe the crazies push too hard to the right on it, and the moderates say, you know what? Then we're just not going to do it at all because some of them know they want to keep a budget to be able to invest in things too. So I, mean, I was, it seems I was like, wondering like about was... Um,
2: the, uh, you know, when you guys think about the impact of these ideas and these, you know, policies that the Republicans want to pass, you know, they're, they're talking about how terrible the economy is and they're trying to blame it on Joe mm-hmm. Biden, basically mm-hmm. personally, and the out of control Democrats who passed, you know, two bills, mostly with Republican support. Um, <laughs> and, but the fact is, you know, the Fed's raising interest rates. We want to be cheerleaders for the economy because, you know, we don't want Joe Biden to get blamed or, you know, me personally anyway. But you can't get away from the fact that as interest rates go up, credit's going to go down and consumer spending at some point is going mm-hmm. to go down. And on a state, in a state so dependent on sales tax, mm-hmm. you know, I'm wondering, like, you know, all the Republicans who are saying the economy is garbage, are they kind of? What does that mean <laughs> like, um, for our ability to, you know, pay for this tax cut?
3: Well, it's also like they're talking out of both sides of their mouth, right? Because at the same time, they're saying, oh, but, you know, things are going so great that we have all this money that we can do tax cuts. Uh, and I, I think that that's not jiving for a lot of people. What, what, what are you talking about? If, if the economy is so bad, then why is, why, why is income tax collection and sales tax collection so high? Why are people making money and spending money right now? Um, at a higher rate than we ever have. Uh, obviously, the surplus is because there are some aspects of the economy doing really darn well right now. Um, and, and if we wanted to address the part that's the challenge, the inflation, <laughs> income tax isn't going to help anyone do that. An income tax cut? No, a sales tax uh, help would be how you address that. Or a stimulus check. You know, like Democrats sit on the federal level and like we were willing to do on the state level, just send every working family a check. Well, we're open to that one time. Don't pay it with a, a permanent tax cut that we can't, we don't, we don't know what the world's going to look like in two years.
0: Right. And yeah, they always talk like about the, giving go, your money back to you. Like, okay.
2: We could have the benefit be flat instead of right. like, you know, when the, when the, when the cut and the tax rate is flat, like someone, yeah. you said a millionaire gets a six K cut. You know, I was looking at 40,000, 400,000 and 4 million. And that's you know times four uh, compared to the one million, so it's twenty four thousand yeah. um, dollar, you know, windfall, and yeah, I mean it's just it can't be worth it. I don't know. so teacher
0: no. salary in some of the poorest districts we have, Rachel, exactly. close us out here.
3: So
1: I, I, I do. Um, my my understand. So back, God, when was that? I want to beginning of the summer, I guess. I remember the the only the the most powerful Republican in our state is not Mike Parson name is Rex Singfield, right mm-hmm. but by, by a mile um he pretty much is that he's the, he is the tail that wags the dog as far as i'm concerned about uh hyper conservative issues in missouri um he he is the guy that says i'm gonna make you all jump and at least on the statewide level i, I don't know necessarily about like you know uh senate candidates and so forth but he, sure. he writes a lot of and people really respect him because he's a very successful man and he really likes chess um <laughs> And for somebody who doesn't like uh, infrastructure, he certainly does live in a city uh, that sure has does. a lot of uh, uh, really beautiful benefits. Um, I, I hope he never goes to the fucking art museum. Uh, if he does, I might spit on him. Anyway, so his idea was a stimulus. Rex Singfield, at the beginning of the summer, I think, somewhere in there, I, I could be completely wrong about that, wrote a lovely op-ed that showed up in, uh, I forget what uh, publication, It Ended up in probably the riverfront
0: times would be my guess. No, No, I'm joking.
1: You're so yeah, no, they might,
0: whatever. But that would be, but then just blow your mind like you open the riverfront times, and it's just a wrecked sink field.
1: Even a conservative, Uh, whatever the the hell it was, it might have been like the Washington Times or something, or the
3: business journal or something. Yeah,
1: something. I don't know. He was like, a, a stimulus check would be wonderful, and I was like. Okay, well, I would rather that you pay teachers and keep schools open, you dick. But okay, fine, sure, send everybody's money.
3: Yep. What yep. happened
1: with that? Was it just the Was it the overall gang? Did they uh, were they just like absolutely not like? And then I like that you've those,
0: turned Mike Moon into the overall
3: gang. I love. Well, those that. they are
1: right. These stupid <laughs> fucking.
3: Well, I, honestly, I, I think the Senate we might have gotten that through. I mean, Lincoln Huff, a uh, Republican senator, had filed a, a bill that that did that, in, in a way that we could get on board with. Um, but on the House side, you know, they they pushed it where they they were fine doing a one time and and they got it passed ultimately in both the House and the Senate, a one time tax yeah. credit. That, um, but it wasn't refundable. And the not refundable part is the part that just pisses me off because they're basically saying if you're one of the 30 th- percent of Missourians that need the help the most because you make the least 30 percent, a third of Missourians. You get nothing. And any idea of a stimulus check that's supposed to help people struggling right now, that doesn't help the 30% that are struggling the most, is just crazy to me. Yeah, if it doesn't Um, go to
0: somebody whose first thought is rent.
3: Right. Or or choosing between rent, groceries, and medicine, right? Right. Uh, I mean, the the things that are going up quite a bit, and uh, we're not helping them at all then that's not a stimulus check. That is not relief. That is just a, a payout and and a political stunt, honestly, so that they can say to, to a lot of the people that, that are their voters, uh, that they got them their money back from the so government. So that
1: obviously did not go anywhere.
3: Well, um, it passed the House and Senate. The governor vetoed it, actually. Oh, that's right, um, and and they yeah, screwed so- up, how, and they screwed up how they funded it in the budget too. Uh, so the governor was actually right in saying it. They didn't. Actually, he didn't actually have the authority to go to do it based on how they passed it.
1: So here's here's what I'll end with. I'll end with this question. We've had this conversation before about only mm-hmm. about eight million times. At what point do voters hold this party responsible for this level of just sheer? solid dysfunction, corruption, oh. and ineptitude. An when do they just say I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Like
3: uh, I'm when do people pay enough attention to see that's what's happening? I mean, tr- truthfully, most people are busy and 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 don't have time to engage in politics long enough to really understand what's going on. They're focused on putting food on the table, paying the bills, and getting to and from work, getting their kids to and from where they're supposed to go. Um, we, we have to do a better job, all of us, every one of us of communicating the importance of all of this and what's actually happening. So they hear about it in simple ways. Now that's never been Dem's strength. It's certainly not my strength, frankly, to, 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 in a few words, explain what's going on. Um, but my goal is just to engage more people in the conversation and get everyone talking about it. Um, because what we know is when elections come around, Republicans have a whole lot of money. Uh, When when you're doing the bidding of billionaires, it's easy to have billions of dollars to spend, right? And so they can spend it on a few short messages that convince people that they're the ones fighting for them and that Democrats are the problem. I mean, Donald Trump has branded himself the populist, right? And, and, And managed to have a whole bunch of Republican voters thinking that they're the party trying to help working class people. And we know that's bullshit <laughs> but it's hard to get that message through the noise of a lot of money in campaign uh, campaign ads and a, a whole infrastructure of right wing talk radio and right wing news that uh, is really good at simple messaging, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, Representative Peter Meredith, he's at Peter Fermo on Twitter. And if you're following our stuff and listening to us and you're not following him, then you're missing out because uh, he's a smart guy and he says a lot of smart stuff. And he says it in less than 260 characters or however many you got to have in these. Things, so.
3: <laughs> I'm better on Facebook. For that reason.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Representative, man, thanks a lot for your time. We'll let you hey, get back thank to y'all. life.
3: Appreciate you. Thanks, thanks Peter. Thanks. Take care. See you soon. Bye. See ya.
0: All right, the yeah, no, uh, Missouri is, uh, look, we need a lot of help from the feds in Missouri. But it turns out we're not alone because the feds had to go to Kansas this week and help out as well with a retired officer. uh, Golubski appears to be the last name. I really don't give a shit if I'm getting it right, to be very honest with you. Uh, let me let me open this story up here. This is really special. So the headline is XKCK detective Roger Golubski, long accused of corruption, arrested by the FBI. Uh And if a headline ever said it said so much without even scraping the surface of what this guy yeah, is.
1: Corruption. Doesn't corruption seem
2: kind?
0: Right. Yeah. When you read like the story
2: yeah the first sentence corruption and raping vulnerable black women right um yeah among other and, things yeah and
1: also getting getting people uh who were falsely accused arrested and indicted for crimes they didn't do yeah which resulted in one of the largest lawsuits that can't the state of kansas has ever had to settle yeah um this yeah, is one of those deals where like, like
0: like as somebody who works with police officers, this is one of those deals where, like, there are times where, like, all of, anybody in no matter what work you do, there's going to be times where you're going to tunnel vision yourself on something, and officers can do that too, where they can become tunnel visioned on somebody and maybe not see all the pieces, and you know they can they can want there to be something maybe that isn't necessarily there, um, but there's a big difference between that and knowing knowingly falsifying information to create a crime and conviction for an innocent person
2: it's, it's a totally different thing right and they're saying here i mean this guy was a real piece of shit obviously it says uh, it looks like he was framing innocent people for crimes committed by others including drug dealers who paid him so always taking it another level. Yeah, including
0: um, Lamont McIntyre, who was freed in 2017 after serving 23 years for a double homicide he did not commit. Holy shit. And another thing, you know, on the policing reform conversation, which
2: has really kind of evaporated in the last like 10 months or so, um, you know, crime is like a top issue among most voters or most swing voters right now. And so it's it's really not something Democrats want to touch and they're just getting bludgeoned by the Republicans. But like, you know, this idea that there are, you know, just because there are bad apples in the police force doesn't mean all cops are bad. But when a bad apple like this guy leaves KCK's department in 2010, and then goes and works at another police department for six more years to get more benefits, more pay, more retirement and hurt more people. It is a rotten system when you can't get rid of the bad apples, or they just go from department to department. And he's a perfect example of just a lot of problems in, in policing.
1: I think one of the things that emboldens, I'll say like the unions that essentially make it very difficult for anyone in local command to get rid of somebody like this right it's it's all been impossible to fire a cop it's so fucking hard to do um you know we can hope that maybe now it'll be at least a little bit easier to be like you know to for anybody to turn to their local union rep and be like look i don't care what you do but this guy's got to go like it's so it's been historically so difficult to do that and i do think that one of the reasons is because they have this idea that if someone's really this horrible the feds will eventually do something and he's arrested basically on civil rights violations. That's what that's what's finally gotten him. It's not any of the things that we're talking about. He's not being arrested for sexual assault. He's being arrested for violating people's civil rights. That's what he's being arrested for. I don't know if there's other things in the indictment, like you know, if there's human trafficking or any any of the other myriad of things. I doubt it. But I read another article that said that the people who have been trying to get him I mean again like he retired with full pension benefits, right? Like he he was right. a fully decorated cop.
0: And then like Sean okay. said winning got a new job with new paycheck.
1: Right, right. And mm. so the people who have been like t- dozens of people had like a party. Right. Because he was such a ter- This guy's a fucking terrorist. I mean he's just an absolute fucking criminal sociopath. And so my question for the back the blue crowd who I, all, I think are just just as performative as anybody is like at what point are you going to realize that like either we need more federal oversight over local law enforcement or we need um systems in place so that when someone who is just floating around our communities with this much impunity um is free to just basically sexually assault as many women as he wanted to i mean that's what he did he got a job where he could sexually assault women and i i I really want to I really want Adam to comment on this. I, sometimes I show up to throw it to Sean. Sometimes I just am chomping at the bit to hear what Adam Summers going to say in 2020, he was deposed as part of the lawsuit for the person that we just mentioned who he had put away. Right. Um, like basically like, you know, pu- puppet engineered this man's conviction. Right. And during that uh, deposition, he claimed the fifth and a very odd, 555 times during yeah. the deposition. He won't comment to anyone. So
2: the the in the story
0: the police a- officer
2: to not incriminate himself. You can only incriminate yourself when you've done a crime, by the way, everybody.
0: So. When when the information <laughs> that you are that you would pro- provide would uh would be able to be used to convict you of a crime. Be used
1: against you, right? Yeah. 500 and 55 times so again the back the blue the blue crowd um is it seems to be still kind of relying on this old argument of like well if you didn't do anything wrong you wouldn't get pulled over right. if you didn't do anything wrong you wouldn't get stopped if you didn't do anything wrong you wouldn't get raped by a cop it's like so i would love to hear what they think about 555 times
0: yeah there There definitely is you know, and here's what I'll say is that there are obviously there are places we have statistics, it's not like a secret, right? There are places where getting pulled over has more to do with where you're at, what color you are, what time of day it is than the status of your driving, right whether or not you're you're making an infraction or not. For the majority of folks, that's not true, okay. For the, for the majority of places where people are, they're not going to get pulled over willy-nilly by a police officer for a lot of different reasons. One is most police officers are not going to waste their time doing that kind of stuff. And the other is most police officers really don't act that way. They, most of them really don't. But there are the ones who do. And there are guys like Gablowski, I don't really give a fuck what his name is. Uh, there are guys like this who absolutely – do it intentionally. And they're out to do it intentionally. They want to do it intentionally. They got the job to do it intentionally. And thankfully, they are far and few between. uh, And it's unfortunate that it has taken so long for something like this to come to light. I have been involved personally in my practice uh, years ago with a case where uh, a divorce case where the other party was previously employed in law enforcement and was accused of Some of the things similar to what this person is accused of as far as transporting of people and uh, sexual assault. And anyway, I deposed that person and they did not plead the fifth Um, and they got convicted of multiple felonies. And they last I checked were still in jail and I helped put them there with the deposition that I took. This guy pled the fifth 555 times because he's going to jail anyway. And when you know you're guilty, the,
1: this wasn't, this was before he was arrested though. This is right. 2020 just for right. his law. But he though.
0: knows he's going to jail. He knows at some point he's going to jail, right? This was not, this, this was coming at some point in time. And so he pled the fifth 555 times because it's, it is a civil issue on the one hand, right? So it, when you plead the fifth in a deposition or in court, from a civil standpoint, that can be used against you to take a negative inference, meaning essentially that in a civil case, they can assume that 555 times he said something really bad for him uh, and really good for the other side of the civil case. So with the McIntyre case, assuming they sue uh, for a 1983 claim, which is a civil rights claim, a wrongful conviction, wrongful you know incarceration, all that stuff. I don't know. I haven't checked to see the status of any of that. They may have already done that and settled for all I know. But uh, that may be what the deposition was for. Um, But that's that's the point of that is that in a civil case, it's still really bad, but he doesn't go to jail immediately for that. And when you know this kind of stuff is coming towards you, you plead the fifth because you make you you're making the prosecution provide all the all the information to the jury, which they have to do right. They have to prove you guilty without you assisting them in proving you guilty. And so that's all he's doing. That's exactly what he's doing is he has talked to his lawyers and his lawyers said, listen, Mr. Goober-Blisky, you're guilty and you're going to go to jail for a long, long time. And so you can make it easier for them or harder for them. If you make it harder for them and they win, you're going to go to jail for as long as they can put you in jail. If you make it easier for them, then they might put you in jail for less time. Um, and my guess is this guy's just went, I'll roll the dice. And that's kind of what it's come down to. I mean, he spent a lifetime, a lifetime. He became a detective in 1986. This guy has been a piece of shit longer than I know how to talk. Right. So this is not some guy who just yesterday decided to be a piece of shit. So. And
2: he sure as hell not being railroaded.
0: No, no, not Yeah. The opposite of that. He's being politely basically dealt with. So it, it's unfortunate. It's a perfect yeah, no for that reason because it's just everything about it's fucking disgusting. Uh, but the only thing that's good about it to me is at least Missouri is not the only completely uh, inept state when it comes to dealing with things and needed federal help and Kansas needed it too. So I guess score, I was going to score one.
2: One thing more yeah, noish about this <laughs> topic. Think about this in context of the scrutiny. Yeah these MAGA types are wanting to put teachers under yes 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 they're yes. wanting to criminalize statements made yes. in a classroom and
0: teacher teacher libraries where you can go and check out like remember when I was in fifth grade uh the classroom that I was in had a little library nook in it and all kinds of books on the shelf and I'm sure half the books on that shelf are on these lists for banning books and shit but that's that, that that can be its own yeah no in a coming week let's move on to the buy or sell All right. Uh, Buy or sell. Patagonia Company Donation is Inspirational Story of Billionaire with Virtues. Do you buy that or do you sell that? Uh, So if you don't know, the folks who founded and run Patagonia, uh, which is the company that makes all of the very cool clothing that people who don't actually climb mountains wear to go to Whole Foods, uh, and that's
1: not true. They make <laughs> all, Outdoorsy stuff that outdoorsy people wear too. I
0: no, I know. I know. And that's how they, that's how they started. That's how they got cool. But that's how, that's how most people probably know Patagonia. <laughs> Patagonia and North face, those really nice jackets that you ain't never actually worn outside. Um, so Patagonia is donating the company. The, the folks who own it are donating the company. They're putting it into a trust for management, pledging to use the funds to fight climate change. Uh, that's that's the sort of initial story that comes out. Uh, then, uh, this is very interesting, so that comes out, right? And uh, I put it in our show sheet, and actually, like 20 minutes later, I got a text from uh, Spencer Toter, who was like, you guys should talk about this. And I was like, we, we're we going to talk about that. In fact, it's in our, in our show doc. So then I start looking a little bit more, and the original story is the New York Times story, which is this, like, very... Like, right. Nice cover story. Billionaire no more. Patagonia founder gives away the company. And then you got to read if you want to know more shit. Uh, Bloomberg. So Bloomberg comes in the next day with Patagonia billionaire who gave up company skirts 700 million tax hit. Yeah. (laughs) And then Yahoo Finance comes in with Patagonia founder gives away company to help fight climate crisis. So depending on where you're getting your information and they're pulling it, this is a Reuters story that Yahoo Finance is republishing. So depending on where you're pulling your stuff will depend on how you feel about this story. Rachel, how do you feel about this story?
1: Well, I've, I've known, I was forgetting how to pronounce it. Is it Ivan Yvonne Shunard. I always forget how to pronounce that's right. Name. He's He's been a well-known environmental advocate for a very, very, very long time. Like Yes. So I remember reading um, when people kind of started talking about the reality of microplastics and that like if you, so microfleece, anything made with a synthetic uh, fabric made out of petroleum originally, so any petroleum yarn will shed microplastics when you wash it. And he was one of the leaders in using recycled pet plastic to make jackets so he was kind of one of the first companies to figure out how to create sort of a um a zero waste stream uh you know uh textiles right and as soon as he discovered that like no there's off i I remember reading an interview with him where he was just like my head almost exploded because he said i realized that like we're going to have to do things in a fundamentally different way. Like we're not, we can't consumer our way out of this. We can't, we can't like, there's nothing that I can really do on a product by product level to solve this problem. It's going to take, you know, major infrastructural shifts in how we create energy, how we ship goods, how we create goods. So this to me, it looks like his, Something he's probably been thinking about for a really long time about how to sort of create um, a revenue stream for an environmental lobbying organization. I'm not like yeah. I, you know, I don't I don't think it's a I don't think he's trying to hide from taxes. I don't think he was giving the company away so that his kids didn't have to pay inheritance tax or whatever. Um, he's a bit like Warren Buffett and then he's like, I'll pay taxes, make me pay more taxes, fine. I think he really is trying. <laughs> to you know we always talk about liberals and they're never bring a knife they bring knives to gunfights and right. you know fight right. fire with fire and all this shit so i think this is his howitzer i mean i think he knows that that you know i think he wants to figure out how to build uh, uh sort of a, a i don't want to say philanthropic but it is going to be a lobbying company there's no question about it that's what it's going to be it's going to be but i think he's trying to fight the Koch brother right like i think that's what he says i think he's trying to figure out how to sort of create um funding mechanisms for candidates and policies that will fight climate change so uh, that's interesting because i don't see him
2: getting involved in elections at all
0: but well well, the way they've done this they have set it up to be a c4 so right that is but i
2: mean not elections i would guess but yeah yeah
1: i mean but maybe uh, maybe ballot initiatives you know, maybe things like that, voting rights, um, uh, you know, maybe not individual candidates, but certainly like, uh, maybe, uh, think tanks, uh, research things, you know, things of that nature. I, I, I mean, you know, so things, eventually those things tend to trickle down to the sort of, you know, to somewhat to the, to the, to the level of, right. of, of uh, elections. Um, but that's what I, I, he's been saying for years, like, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but it's gonna be something really big because somebody has to make a, some one of us meaning like the, the, the kind of the future-minded progressive tippy types, I guess is what he ta- you know kind of means uh, right. people that are genuinely concerned about you know being able to breathe clean air and nutty nutty things like that. Damn hippies. Um, yeah, I know us hippies. Um, and he is an outdoorsman. I mean, that is right. like where he spent his time, and he did try to start a company that that had a lot of ethos to it and i i think like a lot of people myself included thought for decades that well we just have to buy the right products right if we buy products that are made sustainably if we um and if we spend our money on things that that um help put money into companies and people and places that 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 spend that money on um you know uh, sustainable environment you know sustainable zero yeah mindful consumerism
0: yeah it's been very much in vogue for a long time
1: yeah yeah and he was one of the first people to be like this is bullshit like everybody who said this is bullshit is right this is bullshit we have to do something else um so that's how i feel about it i i think that he's trying to create uh infrastructure so that when as we go into the future and we need to fight the rest of the you know fossil fuel barons
0: right
1: i mean this looks like the rothschilds like investing in museums or something you know like they set up huge trusts well, to it,
0: it certainly is different in form but in function it may not be any different from the the uh bloomberg story includes a nice portion about you know comparing it to the Said donation uh for you know we've got leonard leo and the over you know with those folks at the uh God, the word just jumped out of my freaking head. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> the place where we're getting all of the Supreme Court justices Federalist Society. Uh, Holy the, uh, shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Federalist wow. Society. Wow. I'm leaving that yeah. in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Federalist Society. Uh, you know, Saeed donates $1.65 billion worth of uh, his company to a 501c4 uh, that then sold, uh, the shares and, and they now have all of this money, uh, to do the stuff with Leonard Leo with the Federalist society. And this sort of looks similar to that. The difference is this, the company still exists. It's just the profits right. of the company, yes. uh, that can be used. So it's a little bit different in that standpoint, Yeah, cause this, but, year but very similar.
1: This, the Say thing was personal wealth someone Correct. you know basically like figuring out once i'm dead how do i ensure that no one can vote and everyone can you know uh shit all over the future and whatever right. way they want that voters have no rights i do think that this is someone who looked at the future and was like if somebody with a lot of money has to create a, a war chest for uh pro-environmental issues i mean that, that potentially an like ongoing it. one which is the biggest
0: it. difference The Said thing is so interesting because it's like, if the folks, if the Dominionist folks, uh, the folks who are trying to work to make the federal government Christian to bring about the end of times, uh, if you want to know how much the people funding your movement don't agree with you, uh, this guy cares so little about the future that he gave all of his money so that when he's dead, he could make sure he he controlled the government the way that he wanted. Right. That's crazy.
2: Or if not him, a bunch of people who are kind of like Amy Coney Barrett.
0: Right. That they can control. Cool. Things. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I guess it, you know, it's the the point of it, I teed it up as a buyer sell to put it in that vein of like, is this, you know, is this an inspirational story or is it you know is it the cynical thing is it just like uh, another billionaire getting out of paying yeah. taxes i do buy that it is that it is more of the inspirational thing of like maybe maybe we see could we see more of this is it like at the you know the turn of the 20th century where we saw kind of a movement that direction toward you know the gilded age folks sort of turning some money over i don't know i would i would love to see that personally i mean yeah. I, people always talk about teddy roosevelt and fdr Like we got Teddy Roosevelt and FDR because a family with a ton of money decided to go into public service, like in a very real way. And we're very dedicated to, I mean, you read this, you know, if you read the stuff from, from Teddy and FDR, they both consistently talk about like, they have a duty because of what they come from to like ensure that other people, like that's where the, you know, new deal and all that shit came from uh, which is very interesting. So I I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe we could see more of that.
2: Yeah. I mean, when I think about it and you kind of wrote in the notes, like just as, you know, maybe comparison, like some of these other, you know, billionaires, like uh, right.
0: Bezos, Musk, Buffett. Yeah,
2: right, right. And what strikes me as different as this is just like how much more like a regular person the Patagonia founder is compared to these other billionaires, right. because like, while this guy's been alive, he's run his company in an ethical way, like the way a normal person, like one of my neighbors or like someone I work with, like a normal person would run a company. And then he sees what's happening with the environment. He knows that, you know, we're all only here for so long and his life's work of averting climate change. Like, I don't think he ever thought he was going to be the guy who, who fixed everything, but, you know, becoming one of the more charitable families in history for this cause Is really cool and different and inspiring and consistent with the way he's acted his whole life. I think it's really interesting when you compare it to like Carnegie or Rockefeller, um, you know, folks who made insane amounts of money, really, you know, holding people down, you know, the amount of people who died with no rights and no income, you know, for these companies. (laughs) Like, this is pretty stunning when you start reading the books um, about what it was like to work in this country 150 years ago. And you know, he's, it's, it's just really cool. You know, he's been an ethical person in life and he's wanting to wanting that work to go on in the New York times piece, which I think they're the ones who had the first yeah, they had the big uh, break. Yeah. you know, with announcing it, they mentioned this thing, you know, of Buffett and these different billionaires and different promises they've made or whatever it is, um, the pledge. And, you know, despite that these guys and gals, you know, more guys, um, keep getting richer and richer and richer like they make they might make some kind of promise but like when you actually look at their balance sheet they didn't transfer their wealth to anybody else like maybe a little bit of it but like they still have it all and so you know this guy still has heirs you know children alive and his in their 40s he's still alive and handing it over um i only you know i can only hope that i might be in the position to do something similar Keep keep plugging away. I can only hope. hope.
0: Let's move on uh, to the big one here. And now the big one. All right. So the big one is uh, also a little bit of a midtermsy one, but uh, it's not. It's not a true midterms check-in. So. The the question that I wrote down for this topic, we we were sharing some stuff about Biden this week, but then there was just there's just a lot of stories, not a lot of national stories that I I kind of saw running together uh, as folks start talking about what's going to happen in November, what's going to happen. People really want to start prognosticating. Uh, I just saw five thirty eight publish an article: Are Democrats being oversampled? Right? Are, is the polling they they want to hedge the polling right now? Uh, so we're, we've hit that point. Uh, so the question that I wrote is, what's the 2022 tipping point race? Like, what's the race that if you're you're watching, I don't even know where we're going to watch election returns this year. I don't know. Maybe we'll just have to live stream it and pull it from the Internet ourselves because I can CNN. Um, so when you're watching the returns and you hear 10, 15 or whatever, that this race has gone this way what's the one that you're looking for that's going to make you go good night for democrats or even or the opposite right is there one that you're going to hear and go holy shit it's it's going to be a really bad night so some examples i put in here in the doc are uh like if if it's like 10:15 and they haven't called missouri and they're like interesting numbers coming out of missouri like I'm gonna be too like too
2: early to call, right? It'd be
0: like holy <laughs> shit, the GOP go. has collapsed like a fucking supernova, prolapsed into itself. Uh, whereas like Pennsylvania, right? Obviously, it's it's highly expected that Fetterman's gonna win in Pennsylvania, uh, you know, and and stuff. So like I wrote, what about like Florida governor? Like, is that a race that, like, is that a good spot or is that even too far? What do, What do you think? Let's start with Sean and we'll go to Rachel.
2: That's. That's a great one when I saw that you picked that race as kind of a, a bellwether or tipping point. You know, it's interesting because I don't know very much about the, um, you know, the polls, but it's uh, it's Charlie Crist, right? He's right. a Democrat. Yeah. And so he was the governor of Florida. He was a Republican right. when he was governor of Florida. And, um, you know, the Republican Ron DeSantis is one of the most uh you know high profile republicans in the country right now he just raised 177 million dollars in the last quarter i think
0: you're talking about desantis or christ
2: desantis yeah chris no (laughs) crazy Um, so but because you know you're right like because desantis and christ are so well known especially in the state if that looks like it's going to be close you know, then the whole MAGA ticket is in big trouble because I think DeSantis more than anybody else represents that. And with Trump being in Florida also, and with Florida being on the East coast. So it's a great call. Great call. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) I should do this more often. Uh, So Chris and DeSantis right now on 538, the aggregate polling Uh, DeSantis is up 6.1 on Chris, which you, you know, for a state that has been pretty, Republican for like a decade. Um, I mean, I think the last time I really wondered what direction Florida was going to go in an election was literally was 10 years ago. It was 2012.
2: 2012, right. Hoping yeah. that Barack Obama would win it again.
0: It was like the last time I remember like listening to somebody on television talk about Miami-Dade County. Now, Miami-Dade County is where we're going right. to get a lot of votes coming in from Miami-Dade this County. This is Broward. This is West Palm Broward. Beach. Broward. This is Miami-Dade. <laughs> a lot of votes in Dade. Like that's, that's, you know, and since
3: then. But Todd loves
2: like... talking about the the corridor from Tampa across to like Orlando. That's <laughs> like his right. favorite thing to do in the world. <laughs> Other than like. Do you
3: remember, remember
1: when Hillary lost? And like, they just kept like MSNBC just kept, I was, I was at a house. I was watching MSNBC and they just kept hyper zooming in on these tiny polling places yes. in Miami-Dade. Miami-Dade. And they're like, Dade. <laughs> that one isn't counted yet. Would that make a difference? Like the whole place is going up in flames. And like the answer is of course, like, no. I'm I mean if we're going to talk Florida I do want to throw in Demings Rubio because I think that's, that's another, another right one. Yeah. really interesting it's it's real I mean right now I think it's the last I mean again like you know I
0: And those hate don't rules, both of those races feel like the DeSantis Chris Demings Rubio don't they feel like a and like if they go one way if either one of them goes one way you can just assume the other one followed
1: Oh sure I mean I I don't want to speak for Sean but I think Sean's going to say yes um, that those two things are inex are inexorably are, are linked. I mean, they're yeah. both statewide I can't I can't see why that would split a ticket. I don't see someone voting for Rubio and not for DeSantis, or the other way around, or what maybe Actually, when you yeah, say but it I, out loud.
2: There could be a lot of people like that. I would hope, really. Honestly. That is funny
0: because I thought the same know. thing. I do. I, I, I said it just to, to tee it up, and I believed it when I said it. And then as you said that out loud, I was like. Actually, I think, I guess I could see people making a distinction like a between could be, the, the like, hardcore ness <laughs> of DeSantis, and, and like, if you're a super Trumper who's like, you know, fuck Ron DeSantis, I'm a Trump guy. Like, I don't know. Is there, and like, some weird...
1: Vote for, but then why would you vote for... I, I just don't see, like, if
2: you If you think Ru- Rubio's well, a Rubio's rhino. Because Rubio's not a
0: threat to Trump. Well rubio's a right solid on, vote though. Ahead. rubio votes for the trump shit rubio he toes the line he yeah, does this thing I'm I don't, he's not getting accused either, of being a rhino
1: either in the same bucket like if you're a republican you're going to be like well i can't let that woman win no way can i let yeah. somebody who's just going to be a yes a yes woman for joe biden right. And i bet they say a bunch of other really racist stuff about her when they say that <laughs> yeah. and then when you go over to like i just anyway i just don't i don't i I'm not seeing it. Somebody from Florida can correct me. that so, There are voters for Republicans. Well, let's would, do the so- smart thing <laughs> and
0: let's get out of Florida. Um, okay, <laughs> <laughs>
1: always
2: the smart. Thing.
0: Uh, and uh, let's let's go to North Carolina, where they have just as nice of beaches uh, and less mosquitoes. Um, better oysters too. So Beasley, oh, I didn't
2: know about North Carolina oysters?
0: Oh, they're good. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, it's it's a thing. Um so North Carolina Senate Beasley Bud is uh, basically a dead heat right yeah. now. That's a very interesting one to me. That's, that's v- like North Carolina probably is is my real answer on
1: That's interesting. That's a good call actually.
0: It's super smart. Um
2: you know Democrats have had some real goofballs nominated in the last couple Senate races. When well, you remember
0: 2020 like we re- I Sean you and I talked about North Carolina and we were surprised
2: right with what a happened surprise in North Carolina. when the cal cunningham um goofball of that year um you know when he won the nomination for the democrats and i guess he was the establishment guy and so that was really stupid yeah and he lost um, to
0: the, the guy i don't even remember his name now but it's like a funny fake name he's the current senator it tom sounds Tillis. like is it tom yeah because it's tom but it's spelled t-h-o-m, T-H-O-M. <laughs> right. it's, yeah it's like and a fake ID. the other
2: senator uh yeah. It was at Burr and then he's might be gone. Yeah, Burr was Burr
0: was stepping down. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But it, you're right. Like Beasley's really well known. She was the first black Supreme court uh, state Supreme court justice in that state. And, you know, I'm really, really glad that North Carolina Democrats, uh, you know, nominated a black person for a high office. And right. so I really would love to see North Carolina go blue and it looks like she's, you know, it's a dead heat in the polls. Yeah. So yeah, that is really a great is. one. And, uh, you know, depending on how the turnout looks and um, North Carolina has huge suburbs. Um, so yeah, that's a good one too.
0: Rachel, is there anyone in, like Ohio, Wisconsin, something I mean, I like gotta, that?
2: I got to
1: throw Ohio up because I feel like every time, and you know, I hate to talk about Trump. Um, he wants us to talk about him though. And these mog that, you know, inexorably tied themselves to him have done us no favors uh so if i'm going to talk about jd vance i have to talk about donald trump because jd vance isn't on the ticket in ohio donald trump is on the ticket in ohio right right, right. and Don- donald so, trump
0: and peter Thiel's money are on the ticket in ohio and correct, jd vance is a human shell filled with those things in a beard
1: that is that right. is absolutely <laughs> that is absolutely correct and the beard's how uh, he keeps it out so, so
2: it's, it's that <laughs> the seams under that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what did what did, like what did Trump just say at his dumb rally in Ohio where he's like he said JD's kissing or... my ass
0: just yeah, like Kim Jong Un be... just like Kim Jong Un like North Korea JD Vance yeah like he,
1: he made me piss, like I could piss on him to mark him to mark my territory or something That's he hated he
0: me but now he loves me something <laughs> like, crazy it's so he's ridiculous. becoming like an old smoker queen becoming. to me the way he talks now <laughs> just like that's my character of trump in my head now is just this old uh, uh, you new not york
1: smirch the good did you not besmirch the good old queen sir no oh, um, but that's how he's,
0: that's he's just so talking about the bitchy. friend
2: in independence day uh um, the scared friend i don't even know who he's friends yeah
0: are. more like <laughs> i can't think of the actor's name but the guy from mrs doubtfire who does the prosthetics for robin williams Think uh, the same guy? God, maybe, maybe he's he the same guy. I don't know. In you Harvey Firestein?
1: You talking about Harvey Firestein?
0: Yes, Harvey Firestein. Oh
1: no, no, we cannot, we cannot. <laughs> I cannot allow you to compare. You have to, you have to fire that comparison in your brain. It's not. Every I'm not comparing
0: Donald else. Trump and Harvey Firestein. I'm comparing I how I feel about when he talks to how the characters Harvey Firestein played oh, All right, delivered well, their well, lines.
1: We'll- We'll work this out later. I'm, we're going to figure out a better analogy for you, because I, I I worry for your soul in that case. I um, hope
0: anybody followed any of that.
1: Yeah, I, I, whatever. We'll work it out later. <laughs> uh, <everybody laughs> talked, that's the bottom line. Um, that's one of those I mean, moments I'd where you
0: talk find talk out that about. me and Rachel are both I, weird theater dorks. Anyway, sorry, Rachel, go ahead.
1: Yeah, and we have to talk about Torch Song Trilogy again, and that's all we have to say. Yes. Okay, so I, I am interested, because I feel like of all of the close races ohio is going i think ohio is going to be i i made i made you guys read this last week right that of all the close races i think that ohio is going to be the closest i yeah. think um i don't i i that isn't to say that i'm not that i'm not like a little clenched about arizona and georgia because i am but i don't i just don't think that those are going to be as uh, a squeak as
0: much of a squeaker i think as, arizona's over
1: yeah i i mean blake masters when you're talking about like how you see like an aging um, stereotype smoking as as Donald Trump old when I think of Blake Masters I think of like so for a brief time I, I worked in an admin role in a stock brokerage firm and those places are basically like your independent contractors that are renting office space from a brokerage firm that's how they work the retail ones did and you see these guys kind of churn through that you'd be like you're going to last a month and like you're here because your dad was like tired of you living on his couch. And you're like, okay, go get your <laughs> go get your go get your license and go see if you can make. And Blake Masters is I'm being kind when I say, and this was in Arizona, by the way. I'm being kind when I say he reminds me of one of those dolts, like someone with absolutely no sense, no charisma, uh n- nothing to offer either. Like now, it's, he's it's worth like, noting that like on the one...
0: 538 aggregate, he's basically down by nine points. And there's not a oh. single poll, not one poll that shows Masters with a lead.
1: Yeah. Mark Kelly just walks in and he's like, hi, I've been doing this already. Have you
0: seen his commercial? I, I
1: have... No, I haven't
0: seen oh, it. Uh-uh. Yet. It's, it's so again. good. It's so good. Yeah. yeah it's like I Mark mean, Kelly, Navy it's... pilot, astronaut, American, you know, Arizona hero. Current,
1: your current senator.
0: <laughs> they have, a, they Mark... have an image of John McCain that becomes an image of. Nice. like yeah <laughs> to see
2: yeah and that means something you know it's to mccain's that's state, right like that's arizona right. that's right yeah, yeah I, I think w- uh, I,
1: will, I will say my say so the other one just really quickly i'll just i'll throw this out and then i'll shut up. Uh, i'm still really curious about like if if we're looking at the kansas governor's race right and if it looks like laura kelly has a snowball's chance in hell of winning that's another really on,
0: good one I'm yeah. going to be
1: like, oh my God, we all actually showed up this time. Because that's what it's always about, right? It's not about like, do these, troll, do these trolls like Eric Schmidt actually represent the will of the voters? And they might, he might in Missouri at this point, but it really is usually about did independence and lean Dems and hard Dems all show up during an off election midterm, right? Usually right. the answer is no. Nah. Unless the opposite party is in power, and then we kind of do okay, right? We do all right.
0: So, the last polling coming uh, out of Kansas is pretty close. Uh, There's a not so awesome poll, not a great poll, uh, but it shows Kelly up. There's a a slightly better poll that shows Schmidt uh, up, Schmidt uh, in Kansas, not Schmidt like in Missouri. Uh, There's an Emily's List poll that has Kelly up by three. Uh, so there's plus three, plus four, plus three, plus four, kind of going both directions. So, So
2: all
1: margin of
0: interesting. And there's no
2: Senate race race in Kansas this year, is that right? That's
0: right. There's really not much. It's it's Governor Kelly and Sharice Davis are kind of great.
2: Yeah, there's and a a couple
1: of uh, and a couple of real characters. What there's a secretary of state, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, that's the race.
1: uh, attorney and his he's running is he secretary of state is he trying to be attorney general
2: which he's former secretary of state right
1: um, so he's running for ag then i guess Yeah. Right. yeah. so he's running for schmids he's running for job. the
0: senate <laughs> as we now know yeah, yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. in the midwest yeah. you run so for Chris, attorney so, general Chris you're Kovac, running for the senate
1: Chris Kovac is, is back so you know that might scare people i mean like republicans in Re- kansas wanted him as far away from the ticket as they could get him yeah and considering like doing some pretty desperate shit to get somebody else um, on the Senate ticket. Uh so um so that, that's the one. So I'm really that's that's what I'm uh super curious about. Yeah.
0: Well those are all those are all interesting ones. I like the uh I like the Kansas governor. I think that that's a very good one. I think I'm gonna go with North Carolina as my like magical one. But I could see any of those any of those really being
1: what good is Sean Dillard's? Yeah. John, What are yours? I'll, Aside from the ones that you are very dear to your heart.
2: Yeah. Well, ever since moving to Colorado from the East, um, I really just love the time difference, especially on election nights. <laughs> and so, sure. um, I'll be looking at. I think Georgia. You know, their results will probably come in sooner than some of the other East Coast. You know, close East Coast states yeah. and North Carolina is a great a great one too but Stacey Abrams against Brian Kemp that could be another one where you know I think maybe the Georgia Republicans are enough afraid of Stacey Abrams that they will show up to to vote for Kemp and mm-hmm. um but maybe not Walker you know it's like there's there's not a lot of re- reasons to show up in Georgia if you're you see
0: if, a ticket split in Georgia as a more likely outcome
2: like a Abrams like Walker? a Kemp <laughs> no a Kemp <laughs>
0: Um, a Kemp Warnock. Kemp
2: Warnock, right, right.
0: I think that's totally possible.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean
1: logic. Logic says that would happen more. I can, I can see that, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, because Republicans really don't like her. Right. Her like Walker's been just shitting the bed. Like they they did agree to a debate. I saw like. They finally.
0: Oh, man. Oh, wow. We might have, God, to, we 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 might might have, have to live that stream that one.
1: Somehow or another, the Walker people were unable to like evade it. So they, I, I think I, I was reading Um, uh, it was in The Guardian. Holy so I could, I could be wrong. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that actually happened. And I was like, oh, my God, you stupid, stupid, <laughs> stupid. People. Yeah. Like, how you Savannah,
0: Warner, Savannah Morning News headline quote, I'm not that smart. Herschel Walker <laughs> says he'll do his oh, best in debate against Warnock. Oh, so they're playing the expectation game. You got to hand it to him. <laughs> <I am> not... <laughs> I'm not that smart, you guys. <laughs> so, so you know, I don't know what I'm
1: doing here. And like that, like there's a, I, I'm like touching my heart because
0: like. Okay. So it's October 14th. Does... Okay. It's going to be live on television. We got to find this. Okay. I'm saying it right now. Live stream October 14th, Heartland Pod. We should live.
1: uh, Right. I mean, come on. 100%.
2: 14th?
0: Yeah, we'll do it. Uh, It'll be, you know, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 presents the Heartland Pod presenting Mystery Science 3 Theater presenting the Georgia Senate. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Because you could, I mean, (laughs) We're not in Georgia, so it doesn't no. really matter what we think. Like, we can just. Yeah, we're just, uh, we can
0: just throw darts and it'll be hilarious. It'll be fun. We can, just,
1: we can just get dishes and spoons and just like feast on this thing. This is how like, we do got, our
0: programming. Welcome yeah, to our meeting.
1: I, wait, roll, roll that back up. I got to read the headline again. I'm like, you guys, Adam's sharing his screen and I'm looking at his screen right now. I'm not that smart. Herschel Walker says he'll do his best today. From oh, my man. understanding
2: of Herschel Walker and his public statements, and his character traits and personality traits. Um, I would think it, um, you know, Raphael Warnock, Senator Warnock, must have people who are good enough to know that in this sort of debate situation, like they will be able to get Herschel Walker to like flip out, like lose his shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that's Mm -hmm. what I would be thinking Mm -hmm. from now up until the debate. Like what are the 10 different you know, kind of tactics or lines that all of which I'm trying to get the guy to break the fuck out. Here I
0: think would be the best part is I think Raphael Warnock will not say anything in even remotely possibly interpretable as negative about Herschel Walker. True. At all. He will call him brother. He will call him brother. He will embrace him.
1: Yeah, he will not and he will not say anything about his families. That he didn't disclose to the public, he won't say nope. anything like that. He's just going to be like, "Where is Ukraine, brother, brother, <laughs> brother?" Walter, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Ukraine? It's
0: going to be a master's class, I think. So it's be incredible. let's yeah. let's leave the show there, and uh, we're going to time travel now and uh, get Peter Meredith on, and then that'll be at the beginning of the show. So by the time you get to hear this, you've heard it, but we don't even know what's going to happen yet. So that's kind of amazing. We're going to time travel.
1: Welcome that'll to the fun. future. Yeah,
0: when this baby hits eighty-eight miles per hour. You see some serious. Shit.
2: Alan Jackson. <laughs> it's
0: just Back to the Future. It's just Robert Zemeckis.
2: Welcome to the Future was what Rachel said, which was uh, anyway. I did say. Nothing. Oh,
0: okay. okay. I think that's the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the future. No. Did you All know right.
2: that I'm birthday pals with Linda
0: Hamilton? Interesting. That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> The Heartland Pod is a production of MidMap Media, LLC. Follow us on Twitter with at theheartlandpod. With email, you can reach us, heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com. Online with heartlandpod.com. Subscribe and please sign up for our Patreon with patreon.com slash heartlandpod. Become a pod head or an official podgressive today and unlock all of our content. See you at the next show.